family of God. It's good to be together because we're brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ to come and worship him this morning. Um, something special is also happening today, um, or a very grand event. A certain gentleman in the congregation is 92 today. <laughs> can we uh, bash up the happy birthday? Martin, can you bash up a happy birthday to David? <laughs> to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday got a couple of notices. Um, we'll have them in the order they're going to take place, I suppose. We'll have Becky first, <laughs> please. Morning. Um, so here starts the two weeks of chaos. Um, on Tuesday, which is less than 48 hours away, we will be going to Spring Harvest. Tom is coming as well. James is also coming, obviously. Um, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about it and who's going uh, so you can pray for us while we are there. So we are going on Tuesday morning. We are coming back on Saturday afternoon. Um, myself and James are leading. Uh, we have got Tom and Evie coming. We've got uh, Zoe and Luke Owlett coming, who you may know. Um, her mum helps out a lot with Easter Club and with the crafts, and they've come through all our groups, so they're wonderful. Uh, Beatrice is coming. Yes. Oh, yes. So we're very excited about that. Um, Kira, who is like our lead teenage female character. She is amazing. She is coming. Um, we've got, um, and a few younger ones as well. So we've got Chloe. Um, she is part of the Grafham family, if you know them. She's one of the small ones. She was born on my 21st birthday, so <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, she's coming with us. She's 11. And uh, we've also got Jacob, which is Joe Takuni's grandson. He is coming, and he is hopefully bringing his next-door neighbour and best friend, Max. So there's a big group of us. We've also got Ian and Virginia on site in case we have a panic and a meltdown. <laughs> so they will need a lot of prayer. They are the proper adults, proper adults. the proper adults in case of emergency. Um, what building are you in? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They'll need a lot of prayer. They're not with us. They're separate somewhere else, hidden on site, so they can... Well, we'll we can, Yeah, we will hunt you down. <laughs> um, so, yes, please pray for us. I will be driving a minibus, which I'm quite excited about. It's only nine seats. It's a small minibus, but still, it's bigger than a motorbike, so pray for that. And, um, yes, just pray that we have a lovely time, that we have lovely weather, that we eat fruit and vegetables, that sort of thing. We're going to need pray for that. Um, did you want to say anything? Yeah. Um, I'll be taking a car because I'm not going in the minibus. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, that was my announcement. But uh, no, I'm joking. Um, anything else? Easter. We have some lovely flyers created by someone employed by the church. Um, so we've got, I've got about 400 of them. So if you could take a bunch and hand them out on your street and let everybody know that Jesus lives and that uh, 
we're all going to be here on Easter morning. So if you could do that, that would be great. And if you could pray for Holiday Club as well, that's also after Spring Harvest, that would be great. Pray that we um, have lots of energy for the young people and that we're not kind of, that we're just resting when we need to so that we have got enough energy so that we're 100% for the uh, Holiday Club children and that they can see that we're enthusiastic and we really, really are happy to have them with us. Yep. Cool. Thank you very much. Okay. Let's just pray for them while they're here. Oh. <laughs> Father God, we thank you for your goodness and we thank you for these opportunities to go to Spring Harvest and have fellowship, have fun, and also have faith in you, Lord God. And Lord, we pray for Becky, we pray for Tom and Evie, we pray for all those who are going, we pray for James. Lord, we pray for safe travelling, we pray for um, good time together, Lord God. But above all, we pray that they will encounter you, Lord God, at that time. Lord, bring them on in their faith, each of the ones that are going. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much. We're now going to go put up a tent upstairs. So I apologise if there's any noise or scraping or weirdness. That's, right, that's okay. just normal. There's no time. <laughs> and Jackie. No prizes for why I'm here. Um, just to remind you how you can help with the Easter Club, which is on the Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. There's two or three of us in the kitchen each day. If you feel you could spare two hours to come and help over lunch and clear up and push a hoover, then do let me know. Similarly, if you feel you are a dab hand at Rice Krispie Squares, brownies, anything that, be, that can be cut and served up as a dessert on all three or one of the three or two of the three days, please, please let me know. Um, all help gratefully received. Thank you. Can anyone tell me what's happening on Sunday the 23rd of April? <laughs> no, not my course, <laughs> but I know what you mean. <laughs> we are starting the Paraclesis series as a church together. It will take six weeks, it'll be six Sundays. And you have the opportunity to share a bit more deeply in it if you buy the book and do daily studies if you want to. Um, my last day for orders is next Sunday, so either see me today or next Sunday, or you may be disappointed. I will have one or two spares. Um, and also, if you really fancy a wristband, so far we've got three people interested in the wristband, but you, you can have a wristband as well. So please see me about that um, before next Sunday, either today or next Sunday so I can place the right order. Just to give you a bit more insight into Paraclesis, I'm just going to play a video that gives you a bit idea of the outline of the course, uh, what we're going to be doing each week. Well, I came across the Paraclesis principle in the New Testament, people coming alongside people, I wanted to introduce it to my congregation, to answer with them the question, who cares? To begin to develop a caring culture that was seminal and central to our church life, so that we could be a community who not only came alongside each other, but who could reach out to those outside of the church in the wider local community, so we could help them in their struggles and life challenges. So in order to achieve this, I developed Paraclesis journeying together to help them to understand Paraclesis 
and to learn some skills that would enable them as a church to reset the culture in the congregation of coming alongside others. I wanted it to be a strategy that we could move forward with. So I designed materials, sermon notes, a printed daily study guide, group materials, group videos, banners, posters. And over six weeks, we explored this subject and theme of paraclesis journeying together. Each week, we explored a different theme. The first week, we looked at the key word of caring, establishing that as a core value, and we looked at the Good Samaritan. The second week, the key word was loving, and we looked at setting a caring culture. And we looked at the feeding of the 5,000s when the disciples didn't really care very effectively. The third week, we came to the core of our study, which was journeying. What I describe as our resource of journey, the life experience we all have to bring alongside others. And we looked at Jesus coming alongside the Emmaus Road disciples. The fourth week, the key word is living, developing caring, coming alongside as a lifestyle. And we looked at the man by the pool of Bethesda. The week before the finish was healing. How to help people to become strong at the broken places. And we looked at the woman who came broken to the temple. And finally, our key word the last week is connecting. How we actually connect, not only in the church, but beyond the church, to the felt needs of the community around us. And over six weeks, we explored these themes together. And it was an exciting time in the congregation. So paraclesis then is ordinary people coming alongside ordinary people being love with skin on. It's a local church-based series journeying together, a fresh approach to pastoral care. And CWR are now making this available to the wider church. And I want to encourage you to engage and to benefit from exploring the paraclesis principle together, as we did in our church. Right, let's uh, start our service uh, after all the announcements and everything. Let's uh, turn our eyes to God. Let's give him praise that's due to his name. Let's sing a great hymn, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. Let's stand and sing.
sit down. And uh, we're going to have two readings this morning. The first reading Liz is going to read is Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, whose, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I had two things planned this morning, and uh, because of the notices at the beginning and on a slightly late start, and we all want to get away for dinner and everything, I'm just going to whiz through the next little bit. Um, my thought this morning is the value of meditation, the importance of meditation. And uh, I did have a PowerPoint presentation, but we will just whip through it fairly quickly. So first slide, please, if you can. Yep. Good. So meditation, its importance, and... Uh, it's suitable subjects for a Christian because obviously there are all sorts of different sorts of meditation. There's Buddhism, you know, which does a big thing about meditation. And I'm not turning you into Buddhists, right? So we want to know what the Bible says about meditation. We already heard in Liz's reading that he meditated on the law day and night, yeah? What is meditation then? It's simply thinking about something. Pondering. I love that word where Mary pondered, didn't she? Things on her heart. Considering things. And in a reflective service, reflecting upon things. Mulling over things. Mainly the, thing, the meditation is mentioned in the Psalms quite a lot, but not entirely in the Psalms. And you can help when you're meditating to just take a, um, uh, a quiet place, just as Jesus withdrew after being very busy, he withdrew to a lonely place and met with his father. So we at times need to withdraw to a place on our own, a quiet place. We need to get comfortable, we need to be alone perhaps. And above all, I think we need to ask God for the help of his Holy Spirit to just guide and lead our meditation. And as you meditate, um, distractions will come in can you just go back to the first slide, sorry? <laughs> We're a bit ahead of ourselves. <laughs> As you meditate, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that'll do. Yep. As you meditate, um, you know, distractions do come in. I must get that bit of shopping. I mustn't forget to get that before this morning. I must do that tomorrow, etc. And, oh, I'm really worried about my nephew who's ill. You know, all sorts of thoughts when you're meditating can come in. And I think the two things we can do, just simply... If you do those things happen when you're meditating, if you think about a shopping list item, write it down and just put it to one side. And if you think about a person situation, turn it into a prayer. And so, hopefully we've got the importance of meditation. You can see the verses there yourself. The first one is from Psalms 1, which Liz has just read. 
But it says, within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Within this building, which contains Milford Baptist Church this morning, we meditate on God's unfailing love, that he loves you very much. And this last one, I think, in Philippians 4, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. So if you want to do your best, fill your minds with what is good, because there's plenty of stuff in this world that's pretty rotten that you can think about and be distracted by. Fill your minds with what's good. Next slide, please. And what are the suitable subjects for the Christian? And we'll whiz through these. First thing is, just meditate on who our God is. Just think about his character, his goodness, his holiness, his love, his mercy, his all-knowing. He knows everything about us. He's all-powerful. What a great God we have. The second subject, and a subject we'll do in a minute, is meditating on God's word. Here's some verses on that theme. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And the last one there. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. This is what the psalmist's feeling was. I'm going to meditate on what God has said all day long. Not just have 20 minutes in the morning or whenever you spend time with the Lord. But basically... All day long, he was thinking about the word of God. And haven't we got a great resource now? You see, the psalmist didn't have much to meditate on, really. It was God's word. We've got the New Testament and the Old Testament. We've got translations galore. And half of them are sitting on your bookcase. You've got one, you know. And we have online services, you know. If you want to know about something, just look it up. There's lots of free online services. So we can meditate on the person of God, we can meditate on the word of God, and third slide, meditate on the works of God. That's okay. And I think this falls into two categories. You can meditate on the great things God has done. He's the creator. He's created the whole world. That's a wonderful thing to meditate on. But we can also meditate on miracles he's done. They might not, relate, might not relate to us, but you know, think about Elijah on the Mount Carmel. You know, God answering with fire to an altar that had been soaked in water. You know, this is a great God. He's done great things. But then more important, what has God done for you? Meditate on that. I love this last one. I remember the days of long ago. <laughs> I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done long ago how's your memory getting on my memory is deteriorating and so I have to write things down now sometimes <laughs> so just do that write down what God has done write down answers to prayer I do that regularly now on a smartphone <laughs> it's good to remember what God has done and finally we can meditate on creation we're not called to worship the creator Sorry, the creation, but we are worship, called to worship the creator. And it's amazing, uh, 
Those of you who follow me on Facebook a little bit will know that I do quite a lot of walking when I can in the countryside around here, which is very beautiful. And that does two things. People are finding this out, scientists are finding out. What's a good exercise? Go for a walk. Do your 10,000 steps or whatever. <laughs> yeah? You don't need a counter to do it. Just go for a walk. Enjoy the countryside. We are thoroughly blessed by what we've got around us. And then you look at the beauty of that countryside. The forsythia coming out. The daffodils finishing. The cherry blossom out. Just the, it's incredible, the creation that God has made. And what a wonderful creator we have. And when you go for a walk, it helps mentally. I think it does lift your spirit when you go for a walk. And it helps physically. It's good for you. So meditate on the creator. And one final slide. It says, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very thing, why do you worry about the rest? Are you a worrier? I have a very strong tendency to do that. I have to fight it like the plague. It's so easy to worry. Someone said that worrying, if you haven't heard this before, worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you absolutely nowhere. So instead, do these things. Turn worry into prayer again. That's what Philippians says. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And lastly, on the subject meditation, just think about those birds. Yeah? Think about what God does for birds. Meditate on it. They don't do any work for him. They don't get paid. They have to build their own home. He feeds them. He looks after them. And when one falls, he knows it's fallen. Yeah? Consider the ravens. Let's sing a song, seated, uh, probably stay seated for this one. Be still for the presence of the Lord.
just going to ask Tom to come up now and read a second psalm, one of the most familiar psalms you've ever heard of, which is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to try and shorten this as well a bit. Um, just want to do now, effectively, a meditation on part of that passage. Before I do so, I just want to start with a prayer, which is familiar. But let's just pray, bow our heads and pray. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. How do you eat? different ways of eating. I just want to share with you how I tend to eat and how my mother-in-law used to eat. (laughs) I have a tendency just to have a larger portion, which I know I shouldn't do. And then there it is to be eaten, isn't it? So tasting it is not that important. So it's their food for my body, you see. So shovel it down, throw it down, get on with the next thing. A very bad thing to do, not the way to eat properly. I hope I don't do that with guests. <laughs> but that's my tendency, is to rush. My mother-in-law, dear old Margaret, no longer with us, unfortunately. She used to have, oh, can I have a small portion? Mm-hmm. So she'd have a small portion, and she'd get a knife and fork, and she'd wander around the plate, cutting it into even smaller little bits. And then she'd start moving it around the plate. And then she'd gradually build up a mouthful on a fork. And then she'd put it in her mouth. And then she'd chew and chew and chew and chew and chew. I think you're supposed to do it 20 times, so someone tells me. I don't know whether that's true or not. A different way of eating. And she always left a little bit at the end to signal to you as a host that you had given her plenty so that she couldn't quite eat it all. (laughs) Well, I want to meditate on some words from Psalm 23, Margaret's way. We're going to start by meditating, taking a small portion. We're going to start with, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not doing anything more than that. That's a small portion we're doing. And with a method of meditating on God's word, you see there are all sorts of different ways. You can read whole chapters, whole letters, and think about them and what they meant at the time. But we're going to just concentrate on the Lord is my shepherd. 
And we're going to do what Margaret did, cut it out. I'm afraid, here's a little bit of me, I'm going to do it in order. Don't have to. You could start at the other end. Shepherd. Didn't really matter. So let's start with the Lord is my shepherd and take one word at a time. The first word, the. Are you meditating on the? You should know that the is the definite article. Isn't that right, Phil? The definite article? The? Yeah? Not the indefinite article. So we've got the Lord. Not any old Lord. Not a Lord amongst many. We've got the Lord as our shepherd. The God who is good. The God who is spirit. The God who is light. The God who is love. The God who is faithful and true. And you could go on and on, couldn't you? So it's the God, not a God. A particular God with particular attributes. Around the walls we've got I am the life, I am the vine, I am the truth, I am the light of the world, I am the way. And up here, I am the good shepherd. Yeah? He's the Lord. He's the one and only Lord. Everybody else, everything else is a false God. Let's move quickly on to the next one. The Lord is my shepherd. What does the word Lord bring to your mind? To me it brought two or three things as I think about it. First of all, I get the feeling of strength and power. The Lord Almighty God is our shepherd. The creator of the whole universe, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who's flung stars into space, this Lord, the mighty, strong, powerful God, is my shepherd. The second thought that came to me is he reigns and rules. He's been ascended to the Heavenly Father. And one day, everybody is going to have to bow their knee before this Lord. And the other thing that came to mind, if you've got a Lord especially the old lord of the manor, and you were a little serf fielding, you know, in the fields, growing his crops for him and paying some ridiculous tax for doing so. Yeah. You did what you were told. Yeah. And this lord does demand our obedience. Jesus says, if you love me, and we like that idea, don't we? Well, let's love God loves us and we'll love him back because he loved us first. If we love him, what will you do? You will keep my commands. Yeah? There are commands to keep if you're following this Lord who is your shepherd. Wonderful command is, he gives us a new command, to love one another as I have loved you. What a great command. A great hymn, isn't there? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So obey the Lord. Next word, the Lord is my shepherd. Is? What does that mean? Very often when you look at uh, a passage, um, it's helpful to use the open questions about them. When is the Lord my shepherd? Why is the Lord my shepherd? How is the Lord my shepherd? 
So I just want to answer quickly, when is the Lord my shepherd? And he's got two simple thoughts. One is, the Lord is my shepherd, even when it seems like he isn't. He does not change. So when you go through tough times, when challenges of life face you, this Lord is your shepherd. In the midst of that, he remains your shepherd, even when your senses, your feelings, everything around you says, where is God? Where has my shepherd gone? He remains your shepherd. And the second thought is that in this verse here, the Lord is my shepherd, the name used is Yahweh Rohi. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I've learned that from somewhere. I've read it somewhere. And David Paulson, when he translates Yahweh, says the best way of translating Yahweh is the word always. Remember Moses was told, I am who I am? And David Paulson says one of the ways of translating Yahweh is always. So the Lord is my shepherd even when he doesn't seem as though he is, the Lord is always my shepherd. Let's move to the last fourth, fourth word, the Lord is my shepherd. As I think about that word, I think about it's personal. There's a great sense of belonging. If the Lord is your shepherd, you belong to him and he belongs to you. You're part of the flock of God. Jesus' flock. The other thing about my is when my grandchildren are uh, arguing over whose toy it is, they use their name. They sometimes say it's mine. Sebi's. Ben's. They, they use their name. And that's the other thing I think about my is you have been redeemed by name. So I can say the Lord is Brian's shepherd because the Lord is my shepherd. He's named you. The Lord is John's shepherd. The Lord is Ian's shepherd. The Lord is Phil's shepherd. Personally, he is my shepherd. And finally, as my. Do you not love those words in Song of Songs? I am my beloved's and he is mine. And the song goes on, his banner over me is love. You see, this shepherd, this mighty Lord, is intimate with you. The Lord is intimate. He is my beloved and I am his. And he is mine. And of course the main word is shepherd. In our country, two things about shepherds, aren't there? They tend either not to be there and just load a sheep in a field. In some of the Lake District, they even send them out onto the fields. They sort of force them out. They'll find their own way back eventually, or they go round them up. They round them up with quad bikes and dogs and all sorts of things. But we know that this is not the shepherd they were thinking of in Psalm 23. Yeah, think about what the original picture was. I found a helpful reading from a book called Listening to God by Joyce Huggett. This is what she says. I wandered out of Nazareth to picnic on a grassy slope. There we met a youth carrying a newborn lamb, a shepherd boy. He showed us his lamb with obvious pride. It's mine. It's not quite 24 hours old. He also pointed to the other sheep grazing peacefully along grass. 
This boy was in charge of 17 sheep, including the baby lamb. Each sheep had a name. Each responded to that name. When the shepherd called, they followed. His relationship with these sheep, who belonged to his father, was intimate. He treated them not as possessions, but as persons. So he whispered in the lamb's woolly ear, in the same way as a mother would cue over her baby. He told his little flock his news as they walked from pasture to pasture. He chided them when they wandered away from him or when they strayed near a dangerous precipice. And as they walked home in the evening, he explained to them what was happening and told them of his plans for the next day. This encounter with Eastern shepherds provided me with a new perspective on the familiar image used by Jesus. And so finally, as I think about the word shepherd, I've got four things really. First of all, the Lord is my shepherd who cares for me. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart, it says in Isaiah. And in Ezekiel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search my sheep and look after them. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. What a wonderful thought that whether you're weak or strong, Jesus is there to care for you. And secondly, the shepherd reminds me that, as in that example there, we follow a shepherd who leads. There's no place that you're going to go where Jesus has not gone before you because he is leading you. He guides me in paths of righteousness, he says. And the two main things which people who speak on this passage often say as we think about shepherd, he's a provider and he's a protector. The Lord is my shepherd, so what? I shall not want, I shall lack nothing. Everything you need, the Lord, your shepherd, provides you with. Not everything you want, as we know, but everything you need, he provides, both physically and spiritually. And he's also a protector. Remember, one of the famous shepherds was David, wasn't he? And how did David approach a problem? How did David approach Goliath? He went there because he'd already had experience of fighting off bears and other animals that were attacking the flock. So, in the same way, the Lord who is my shepherd can defend and defeat my enemies. Finally, the Lord is my shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, said Jesus. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord is my shepherd. And as you just meditate on each word, you can expand it. You can create your own amplified Bible. <laughs> the one and only almighty God of the universe is and always and ever will be my personal shepherd who calls me by name and protects me and provides for me. Just meditate on those words. So you've got some homework tonight. <laughs>
to do this week. Just find another passage. Do the same. Do Margaret's way of doing it. Take a passage, chop it up, and just meditate and see what God says to you. Just want to finish with a time of prayer and one song. Just want to split the prayer into three things. I hope by meditating on that, there's so many things we're thankful for. We're thankful for all sorts of things from our Lord, but we're thankful for the 100% pass rate at MFA. We're thankful for things in your family. We're thankful for all sorts of things. So the first part, I just want you to speak out just words of thanks. Please, please, please avoid the temptation of adding, and please will you, on the end. Just thank the Lord for something. What has he done for you? What does he mean to you? Just thank the Lord. Let's just have a short time of just expressing thanks and gratitude to the Lord who is our shepherd. Thank you, Lord, for everything that's happening in MFA, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the, the water supply. We thank you, Lord, for the building going on. We thank you, Lord, for the 100% pass rate. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. going to play a CD now. Um, it's a Taizé CD. I don't know if many of you are familiar with Taizé, the community in France. I'm just going to go move to a time of prayer. But rather than a time of prayer where we speak out, I'd like this to be a time of prayer where we reflect and are silent after the song. Um, you can join in the song if you want to. Um, don't worry. No, if you don't want to, just value of the song that sounds sung and then let's have a time of silence there's so much noise in the world it's just good to have a time of silence and remember 
that if you delight in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. So just bring, you, bring before the Lord what you desire in the silence after the song.
We thank you, Lord, that you do hear, that you do answer. We'll take these prayers of our hearts, Lord God, and use them for your purposes, Lord. We just all pray, not our will be done, but your will be done. Amen. We'll sing a final song. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. say the grace together. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. God bless.